So my name is Abby, and I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, and I'm 33 years old. In October of 2005, I just had this feeling that I was pregnant. I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. It meant that my future was out of my hands at that point. It meant that um, if I were to have a child as a, a single woman, um, people would shun me. Um, there was, I felt like there was only one option. I tried to reach the biological father, um, my ex, uh, for a couple of weeks actually. And one day he just so happened to pick up his phone and he told me we would take care of this problem. By mid to late November of 2005, I found myself at the women's clinic. And when I got there, you paid your first $150, and that was to get your blood work drawn, I guess the urine screen, um, for pregnancy verification, and an ultrasound. I think it's a rarity that women get to see the ultrasound. I don't think that is common, and I do think that only God could have been in that. Most people that go into abortion clinics have the abortion, right? Most people that go to the first appointment probably come back to the second appointment. Not everybody has some great God intervention where the lady, in my mind, in my memory, yells out, oh my goodness, you know, you're this far along, and this is the gender. That doesn't always happen, but once I saw the ultrasound, I recognize that this is not a get rid of the situation kind of circumstance. Um, this isn't something you just get rid of. If you can just see it, you can just hear the heartbeat, see the, whether it's a bean or the size of an avocado, like things change, options change. It maybe really even doesn't, in my case, the thing that I thought was my only option in all honesty, it didn't seem like an option anymore. It didn't seem like it was my right um, to stop her growth and to just cut her off like that. And I decided I was keeping her. Um, I was going to raise her. I was going to be her mom. Maybe that opportunity that God gave me not just to save Ansley's life and whatever else he's going to do with her life, but maybe it was to help share with other people how impactful that ultrasound can be. Because it's, there's no question, the ultrasound saved Ansley's life. And in the Ministry of Life on Wheels is that moment where they turn the ultrasound around and my life changed. I'm Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint. And this morning we are blessed to have Robin Blessing with us. She's with Wheels of Life and Life on Wheels. Life on Wheels. Oh, I messed that up. Life on Wheels, and, um, uh, which uh, actually does an amazing job going around our community uh, sharing that life is precious and valuable. So, uh, Robin, why did you get involved and in, in what do you guys do at Life on Wheels? Thank you all for having us so much. Um, Life on Wheels is a licensed medical clinic. 
Um, we do pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. It's really simple. And um, we are able to do this because Alabama has a law that says before a woman can go and have an abortion, she must have an ultrasound 48 hours ahead of time. So we go and we park at the abortion clinic right across the street. Um, we do it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays. And as the women come for their pre-ops at the uh, abortion clinic, we try to get them to come to us. And the hook is is that we're doing for free what the abortion clinic would charge $150 for. So that's why they're willing to get on this big tricked-out RV you know, and, and talk to us. So we have had, we've been in operation since December 27th of 16. This is our eight-month anniversary today. And uh, we have had over 400 women come on our unit. And most of the women who come who are pregnant want to parent. But we had 53 that told us right to our face they were going to have an abortion. And we, it is not our job to argue with them or to be judgmental or coercive. Our job is to get them in there show them that ultrasound on the big screen TV, and we believe that the Holy Spirit does the work. And out of those 53, 33 changed their minds. and that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> I like to say we've saved a kindergarten class and a half, and I'm believing for more <laughs> this year. <laughs> And so the very first woman who came in our unit, December 27th, you know, it's cold, drizzly. I'm just telling you, we were so excited to be out there. We'd had the unit since October, but the health department had to inspect us and do all of that. So the day that we got the clearance was December 22nd. Um, December 26th, the abortion clinic was closed. So we were out there the 27th. There were protesters across the street. We were all excited and riled up. And this woman drives up real hesitantly. And she says, um, she rolls down her window. And she said, I have an appointment at 11 o'clock at the, at the abortion clinic and for a pregnancy test. And I said, do you want it for free? And she said, she kind of hesitated. I said, if you want to take the results across the street, you can. Once you do it, and she goes, okay. So she pulls in front of the unit, and I'm going to get her, and I'm telling everybody, we got one, we got one. I was so <laughs> excited. She gets on that unit, and they close the door, and she's on there forever. Everybody's out there praying, texting. And finally, she comes out, gets in her car, drives away. And I go up and tell Amanda, I said, well, what happened? She goes, mm, her pregnancy test was negative. I'm like, what? She said, but she had never heard the gospel. And that set the tone for us right there. Since then, we've shared the gospel 196 times as of last week, given away over 225 Bibles. Um, and week before last, we had four clients and one husband that came to Christ on our unit. Amazing. So we're so excited. <laughs> I want to tell you that a lot of what I'm going to tell you is on our mobile app. We have an app, Life on Wheels Alabama, for both Android and iPhones. You can look us up, see our newsletters. But there's three ways mainly that y'all can help us. The first way is to pray. Um, we have a conference call, and Grace Bradley, who is our River Region representative on our board, leads that conference call in prayer. And we do it from 6.30 to 7 every Monday morning. So we'd love for you to come. We have room for 400 people on the conference call. Come and pray with us. Uh, uh, the second way is we have lots of volunteers that help us. We have three paid staff, but we have over 55 volunteers. So we need client advocates, the women who will talk to these women. We train you to do that. And also drivers, because we are out five days a week, plus sometimes on the weekends. Yesterday we were out, um, shoot for life, go Matt Bostick. And then um, today, you know, we're out at churches on Sunday. So we'd love to have you volunteer with us. You don't have to have a CDL to drive the unit. Um, 
The third thing I'd like to thank you so much is you have supported us financially. Last September, when we were still a dream, we didn't even have the unit yet. Centerpoint gave us $5,000. Our unit is totally paid for. We are debt free. And now we're just working on making enough money and, you know, to keep us going. But I want to thank you so much. And please take a tour of the unit after the service. Yeah. Can we give her a round of applause? Thank you. I do want to encourage you. I got the opportunity to go out and, and uh, tour the, the unit there just a, a moment ago. And, and it's really pretty impressive. And so what the work they're doing is really absolutely amazing. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue our series on why. And one of the questions, the answer we're going to answer today is why are we as Christians pro-life? Why are we as a church pro-life? It is a a controversial issue in our culture and in our world. And today we're going to, hopefully we're going to give you a few answers to when someone asks you, well, why are we, why should I be pro-life? Hopefully we'll be able to answer those questions today. Before we get started this morning, I want to have a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right in. Father, this morning as we come before you, Lord, and we honor life, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak through your scriptures this morning. Lord, we ask that, Lord, through the testimonies and the stories that we hear today, Lord, that you would impact and challenge us and, Lord, motivate us, Lord, uh, to be on the front lines as we um, share that, Lord, life is valuable in your sight. And so, Lord, we ask that you would uh, speak through uh, this message today and move me out of the way. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing you're going to see on your outline this morning is a, uh, a statement from a Centerpoint Statement of Beliefs, and it says this, Children from the moment of conception are a gift from the Lord. That is what we as a church, as a leadership of this church, this is something that we believe in uh, wholeheartedly. And so this morning, I want to give you three reasons why we are pro-life. Number Reason number one is that we believe that we are pro-life is because we believe that God is the author of life. Nehemiah 6, 9, 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to everything, and the multitudes of heavens worship you. Colossians 1, 16-17 goes on to say, All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We believe that God is a God of life, that he's the giver of life, and that he is the sustainer of life. And a note on your outline states that the devil wants to destroy life. Jesus died so we could have life. I want to see, show you the differences between the enemy and between God. Uh, John 10.10 10 says, the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal uh, and to kill and to destroy, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus was willing to die so that you and I and those that are yet to come could have life. And not just life, have abundant life. The enemy wants to destroy and to kill life. Jesus wants to give life. And because Jesus is pro-life, you and I should be pro-life. Why are we pro-life? Because God is a God of life. He's a giver of life. He's a sustainer of life. Reason number two that we're pro-life is because we believe that everything, that every life has value because we are all made in God's image. 
Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. James 1.18, talking about creation, talking about you and me, he says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Everyone is valuable to God. Everyone is valuable to God. And here's a note on your outline. God created everyone and Jesus died for everyone. For everyone. When I was in, uh, growing up in Sunday school, I was taught this song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus died for all the children of the world. All the children of the world, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. Jesus died for all the children of the world. Jesus gave life to everyone. Jesus died for everyone. Psalms 127 says, Children are a gift. From the Lord. Every child has value and should be seen as a gift, not a burden. No matter the race, no matter the condition, whether they're red, yellow, black, or white, whether they're born healthy and perfect, or whether they're born with disabilities and special needs, everyone is valuable to God because everyone is created in God's image. John one, uh, 1 John 2, 2 says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Jesus did not discriminate when he died upon the cross for everyone. He did not discriminate. He didn't say, I, I just died for this people or for, or, or for this, this group of people. He died for everyone. He did not discriminate. Therefore, we should not discriminate either. We should not. A life application for us is that we must love those that are different than us. James 3, 9 says, Sometimes, talking about our mouths and, and how we use our mouths, sometimes it praises the Lord our Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. There is no room for racism or discrimination as a child of God. Can I just say that again? I want you to, us to hear this plainly and clearly this morning. There is no room for racism or discrimination as a child of God. My kids, uh, I had a, a, one of my kids one time was uh, bullying one of my other children. And he was saying that how he was better and more important than my other child. And as a father, do you know what that did to me? It absolutely made me furious. Because all of my children are precious in my sight. Every one of my children has value and has special gifts. Though they're different and have different abilities and have different giftings and are just different, I value them. If I'm that way, how much more is God when it comes to the way that we treat His children? When we discriminate and we talk ugly and we put ourselves above other people, how do you think it makes our Father feel? There is no room for discrimination in the body of Christ because God created everyone and Jesus died for everyone. That's the reason we're pro-life.
Reason number three, we believe God has a plan for every life. Psalms 139, 13 through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Before I was born, God had a plan for me. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. Now, I have a choice whether I want to walk in that plan or not. But God had a plan for me. Listen to what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. God not only values me, God not only created me, God has a plan for me. He has a plan for every life. Here's a note on your outline. God values life before birth. While you were being created in your mother's womb, God saw you. He was forming you and he had a plan for you. Listen to what Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, talking about uh, God's plan for Jeremiah even before he was born. It says, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Isaiah said the same thing. The Lord has called me from my birth. From within the womb, he has called me by name. We must value and protect life because God values life before birth. Before birth, Jesus had value and saw the plans and the purposes that we had for each and every one of us before I was even born. The reason that we're pro-life is because God is a God of life. God values life and because we were created in His image and God has a plan for every single being everything that has a heartbeat god has a plan for point b on your outline says we must put our beliefs into action if we believe this then what are we doing about it james 1 says but don't just listen to god's word you must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourselves so if, as a church if we believe this to be true How do we actually begin to put what we believe? How do we begin to make an impact in the world around us? What I want to share with you for the rest of the service is some ways that that people within our church, ways they are making a difference. I want to start out by letting you watch a video from the River River Region Pregnancy Center here in Prattville and what they're doing to make a difference. If you would, watch the screens. You know, one of the common things that we see with ladies that come into this center is this idea of a life interrupted. Everything's going fine. They have their life, they have their job, their career. Maybe they're still in high school. And yet, there's a positive pregnancy test. And what do they do with that? It's in those early weeks that the pressures can be so strong. The outside external pressures become so loud 
that the line is blurred. What's right? What's wrong? What do I choose? Maybe it's even her parents. Your father cannot know about this. His job and his coworkers cannot know about this. Our church cannot know about this. What does this do to our family's name? Society says it's just a choice. It's your right. Go ahead, take care of it. And yet, she's the one that's left withholding that life in her hands, that balance of what does she choose, where does she go with all these choices, which choice does she make? And it's really at the pregnancy center that they come in and we give them the option to just stop, to breathe, to take a break, to look at those options that she does have. She does have a choice. She can come in. It's a chance for those outside pressures to just quiet for her to have a chance to pray with us, for us to pray with her, to look at both of those options. And it's through the ultrasound that we can open a window that she sees the possibilities, she sees that little heartbeat, and to know it's not just a pregnancy test with two lines of a positive, it's a life. So what do we do as a Christian? You know, as a body of Christ, we may say that we're pro-life. How do we support her? What do we do? What do we say to be Christ's hands and feet? This ministry is like being on the front lines of life or death. It's a ministry that's supported by our community, whether it's financially to help keep the doors open and the staff there, whether it's donations to keep our baby boutique stocked so that when they come in for parenting classes, they have the reward of being able to buy the supplies that they need. Maybe it's in prayer that we'll be safe there at the center and that God's will will be done. But we need your support. We ask you to partner with us. Be a part of it. Not just a voice that says, I am pro-life. As Christians, this is a way for us to really make an impact on this generation and the generations to come. Well, up here with me today, I have uh, Carla Wildman. She is the director of the River Region uh, Pregnancy Center here in Prattville. And she's not only that, she's also the wife of our youth pastor, uh, Brandon. And, and so that's what she does. I also have Stacy and Neil Gruen, which are uh, over our orphan care ministry here at Centerpoint. And uh, so when we talk about putting our feet, putting our faith into action, you guys are on the front line actually doing this. And point one, our, our action one says that we can speak out for the unborn. Proverbs 24, 11 to 12 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And one of the things that the scripture is clear about is that because we know that life is valuable, if we don't do anything about it, then really God holds us accountable to that. And one of the things that the River Region Pregnancy Center does is they actually help speak out for the unborn. Right. How do you guys do that? Well, we, um, every day at our center here in Prattville, we have volunteers that work with us um, to do offer free pregnancy tests and ultrasound, just like Robin shared that they're doing across from the abortion clinic. We do it right here in our own community. Um, through that, when we get a positive pregnancy test, um, we can also provide free ultrasound in our center. We have an ultrasound tech that does that. And through that, as Stacy said on the video, we open a window into the womb. That baby is, al- al- is allowed to speak for him or herself. Um, there's a heartbeat there. There's movement. Um, and that mother gets to see it's not what the world tells her, that it's just a blob of tissue. It's actually a life there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How is the River Region Pregnancy Center, how, how are you guys supported yeah. Um, surprisingly, um, no government funding gives us any kind of 
financial support. So our funding comes through individuals just like you, churches in our community. So, um, yeah, it's just really important that we all get behind what we're doing. So if someone was interested in saying that this is something that what you guys are doing, having a voice for the unborn, and we want to get involved, someone could come talk to you at the table Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. So I want to encourage you to do that uh, today. Action number two is that we can provide help and support to women in, in, in crisis pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And, and though the, the child instead is not a burden, but the, the, what they're going through of an unplanned pregnancy, it can be heavy. It can be weighted. And, right. and one of the things you guys do is you actually su- add support. You support them and, and give them options. Right. Tell me how you do that. Right. Um, women that come to us are in an unplanned pregnancy. Most of them are. And so they're very scared, a lot of them, at different times. And um, so we have women that are trained from our community. Some of them maybe even sitting beside you that work in our center each day um, to provide counseling to them. And through that counseling, um, when they choose to parent, we offer a program called Earn While You Learn. It's a video-driven program that teaches women um, how to take care of themselves during pregnancy, how to take care of that newborn or that infant um, after that baby comes along how to parent. They, we have some parenting skills classes, Bible study classes, different things to help that woman see um, how, to, how to do what she's been called to do through that baby's life. Um, also, if that woman comes to us and says, I don't want to have an abortion, but I can't, I can't be a mom. This is just not the right time for me. Um, we work with that woman, um, walk with her, and help her um, with some different services that provide adoption plans for those women. Stacey, you know, that's kind of where you guys come in a little bit, the, the orphan care ministries, because there are women that come, like you say, Carla, that they don't, they, they feel like they don't have options because they can't, they can't uh, provide, they might not be emotionally be able uh, to um, support a child, but those child is still valuable to God and, and needs to be raised and needs to be nurtured. And Stacey, how do we do it at Centerpoint? We have an orphan care ministry. How do we do that? How do we support that? Yeah, and the reason that we have um, and felt like to start an orphan care ministry at Center Point is just like what we were talking about. We are not pro-birth. We are pro-life. And so um, what we believe has to go beyond what happens at the pregnancy center with these women. And so um, James one twenty seven says that religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And right about seven years ago, um, I was reading a book, and this verse was in there. And although I had grown up in the church and had um, been in church my whole life, it was not a verse that I had ever um, remembered seeing before. It was just about five verses after the verse that Tommy just shared a few minutes ago. And I really came to a crisis of belief and faith in that moment because I felt like God had just reached out from the Scripture and just pulled my attention to that verse, and I just knew that I had to come to a point where uh, it became an action point. And so um, I started searching through the scripture and found out that that is not the only place that God mentions orphans and how we're to care for them. And so we really just came to this conversation in our house, what does that mean for us, and how are we going to be obedient to God in that? And so for us, that led us to adopt, and we started the process not too much uh, longer after that, and um, we've had somewhat of a long process, but in November of last year, we met our son, um, and he is four years old and currently lives in Haiti, 
um, and we're hoping to bring him home by the end of the year. And that's what, what it looks like for us. But what I had to really come to is this, and, and when I encountered the verses about orphan care in the Bible, what I came to realize is that for me it wasn't a question of, did God want me to be involved in orphan care? The question really was, how was I going to be involved in orphan care? Well, what are some of the ways that we support? How do we do that here at Centerpoint? What does the orphan care ministry, what does it do? What, what resources, how does that, how's that, what goes on there? Sure. Um, so today I, I really want to focus on two things that, uh, that you can do and, and that we want to uh, walk alongside you as you respond to the call uh, that God has given us to, to care for orphans. And, and really those two things are, are sponsorship and adoption. And I can tell you from our process that um, it, was not, it was not an instantaneous thing. In fact, God just kind of started laying on our hearts uh, through Scripture and uh, through other people, and, and I started to research, and what I found is, and it's still true today, that over 100 million orphans are in the world today that require a home, that need a home. They don't have a mother, they don't have a father, uh, and they don't have a home, and, and, and they're struggling to meet just basic needs. And so one of the first things that God laid in our hearts was uh, sponsorship, and that really is self-explanatory. Uh, there's a lot of different organizations out there, and today we're going we're gonna to have a table set up where we can, we can point you in the direction of a couple of organizations that we're familiar with. Uh, but God laid on our, our heart to sponsor a child, and so we did that, and we sponsored a child. And, you know, the first thing is, how are we going to find the finances to do that? And God just said, hey, look, we, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm calling you to do this. I had got your back, and I'm going to take care of you. And he did. Uh, and then that kind of down the road a little bit, God started laying our heart, adoption. And if you're intimidated by that word, you're in good company because uh, I was intimidated by that word. And we were intimidated because uh, at the time we had a, a uh, young baby. We had two other kids. So we had three kids total. And my first question was, really, God? <laughs> adoption. As most of you know, raising kids, it, it's barely organized chaos, you know, with kids in the house. And the thought of, of adopting and bringing another child into that, uh, we really had to lean into God. And, and once again, uh, God said, I got this. And, uh, and, and he has provided financially. Uh, he's provided just in, in, in support through other people. And uh, so I, I guess I want to close with, with just saying, um, I don't want you guys to, to go and, and support an orphan or adopt because Tommy's telling you to do it or because we're telling you to do it, uh, I really just challenge you to go home and uh, pray to God and ask him, how does he want you to care for orphans and what would that look like for you? So do that first and then worry about later on how, how God's going to, um, he's going to equip you to do that. But we'll have a table set up. If you have any questions at all, uh, please stop by and, and we'd be happy to answer them. I really want to encourage you, if, if that stirs your heart, uh, you guys have resources and can answer questions and steer people in the right direction, of if, whether it be uh, orphan care, whether it be uh, supporting, or whether it be adoption. And so I really want to encourage you guys to do that because, we, once again, we believe that God is a pro-life and that he has a plan and a purpose for everyone and everyone's valuable and especially children who don't have a mom or dad. And so if we're going to say that we want to support life, then that's one way we can actually put our hands and feet into the fire and begin to really make a difference. So uh, the third thing that we can do, or third action point, which is not on your outline, 
this morning. But I want you to write this down. Somehow it got left off the outline, but it's, it's probably one of the most important action points that we can have is that one of the things that we understand is that when we have a service like this and we talk about uh, being pro-life, that there are women and there are men that have, have been involved in the process of abortion and are feeling guilty, feeling shame. They know they've done something that is uh, against what God's plan and desire was for them. And one of the things we can do as a body and as a church, as individuals, is, is their action point number three, if you'll write this down, is we help people find forgiveness and restoration. We believe that God is a God of restoration. Galatians 6 1 says this Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And Carla, we talked about this a little earlier, is right. that's one of the things that the, the pregnancy center does. You guys counsel right. women who have been in through this process and men as well, I think. Right. And uh Many times they come in, they feel guilty, they feel shameful. Right. What, what do you say to them? Right. And I shared in the first service, when we talked about this pre-service, I wrote down abortion equals sin, lying equals sin, cheating equals sin. It's all sin. First John um, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness or wickedness. It's all sin. We have to recognize that. Um, some of the statistics say one in four, one in three women sitting in this service today have experienced an abortion. That can blow your mind if you really get down to thinking about that. Um, and they're sitting here in shame and maybe not realizing that God provided forgiveness for that, just like every other sin. So today I say God has died for your sins and it, it's forgiven. It's under the blood. Um, our center offers a Bible study to help you through walk through that. There's trauma related to that. And so we want to be there for you. We have a woman trained to do that. So please contact our center, email us, um, call us. We would love to put you in contact with her. It's something that can be done in one-on-one if, you, if you're afraid of being exposed to that. Um, but please find someone to help you. We do a Bible study called Surrendering the Secret because you live in secret. Surrender that to the Lord and find forgiveness for it. Yeah. One of the things we believe is that God is, is a God that forgives all of our sins. Uh, and that is past sins. That's present sins. That's future sins. I mean, God is a God of grace. And God wants us to walk in step in line with Him. But God's grace and His power is so much bigger and greater than any of us can imagine. And he desires for us to walk in wholeness, even when we've made mistakes. And so there is hope and restoration uh, for you, especially if you're in here this morning and you're, and you're struggling with that. I want you to know that God is a God of hope. God is a God of love. God is a God of forgiveness. And so um, I really want you to know that. This morning, um, as we end our service, I want to spend some time just praying for these that are on the front line. Uh, would you join me in, as we pray for them? Father, we want to come before you, Lord. I thank you so much um, for Carla, for Stacy, for Neil, uh, for Life on Wheels. Lord, these people are, are they're going out, Lord, and they're not just saying, hey, we believe life is valuable. Lord, they're actually putting their faith into action. Lord, I pray that you would help us put our faith into action, whether it be supporting, whether it be volunteering, uh, whether it be praying. Lord, I pray that you would move us to action this morning. And, uh, Lord, we just ask that you bless the efforts that, Lord, that they are doing. We pray those things in Jesus' name.
Amen.